You're listening to The Simple Truth with Pastor Dion Cordova of Truth Ministries Calvary Chapel. Jesus will often bring up our secret sins, our private pleasures, our bad attitudes or evil behaviors like pride and selfishness and greed and anger and compromise and unforgiveness. Jesus will bring them up. He never points us out, but he gently calls us to reflection and repentance. He gives us a second chance. If you've ever moved, you know the tremendous amount of work that it takes to prepare your home in order to make the transition go smoothly. Well, Jesus knew that he was moving back to heaven, and he wanted to prepare his disciples for what life was going to be like after he left. In today's message, Pastor Dion shares just how Jesus revealed his new plan of salvation in the upper room, and then called the disciples to reflect on their inner lives. Pastor Dion encourages you also to give up your hidden struggles so that you can live in freedom with the Lord. Now here's Pastor Dion in the book of Luke chapter 22 with today's edition of The Simple Truth. Well, you know, guys, all of Jesus' ministry now for three and a half years, for those three and a half years, Jesus claimed that he was the Messiah. And not just claimed that he was a Messiah, he displayed the proof. Everybody say proof. He displayed the proof that he is Messiah. Power over sickness, power over disease, power over demons, power over nature, power over death, and power to preach. He displayed, not only claimed, but displayed that He was, in fact, the Messiah. In the Old Testament prophecies foretold that those miracles would be the tell signs of the Messiah. In fact, here's what Isaiah chapter 35, verse 4 says, Say to those with fearful hearts, Be strong and do not fear, for your God is coming. He is coming to save you. And when He comes, He will open the eyes of the blind and unplug the ears of the deaf. The lame will leap like a deer, and those who cannot speak will sing for joy. Jesus did all of that. Jesus displayed and actually he fulfilled these particular prophecies so we can call him messiah everybody said out loud what messiah the old testament prophets also predicted that the messiah would not only do all those things but that he would be killed in fact in the same passage where Daniel in the Old Testament revealed the exact day that the Messiah would ride into Jerusalem on a donkey colt in that same passage. The very next scripture says this about the Messiah. Daniel chapter 9, verse 26. Read it with me. The Messiah King will be cut off, but not for Himself. So, right after he presents himself as Messiah, when Jesus rode in on that donkey colt, shortly after that, in the next verse, the prophet said, He will be cut 
off, but not for himself. Then for who? For who will he be cut off? Can I hear it? For us. Isaiah the prophet said that he would be cut off not for anything he did, but for our transgressions, our sins and iniquities. And then God showed David what the Messiah would experience at his cutoff. Psalm chapter 22, verse 16. My enemies surround me like a pack of dogs. An evil gang closes in on me. They have pierced my hands and feet. I can count all my bones. My enemies stare at me and gloat. They divide my garments among themselves and throw dice for my clothing. These prophecies about Him being cut off are at Jesus' doorstep in this chapter where we're at. But before Jesus willingly goes to the cross, He wanted to spend a special time with His disciples. So Jesus secured a safe and a quiet place on the DL. Everybody say, shh. Before this, this happens, this cutting off, He secured a safe place where He could spend some intimate time with His disciples. It was a quiet place. And He secured it on the down low. A place called, everybody say it out loud, the what? The upper room. He secured the upper room. And then Jesus invited His disciples to put their agendas, their itineraries, their schedules, and their smartphones, put them down, put them in the rear view mirror for a couple of hours and to draw near to Him. It's what we're doing right now, aren't we? The upper room was a place of, here's the first word, revelation. The upper room became a place of revelation. A place of unveiling, of new insights. Jesus used the elements of the Passover meal, the bread and the wine, to reveal a new covenant, a new plan of salvation by His broken body and His shed blood. Jesus announced that He is the Lamb of God that would die for us, deliver us from spiritual death. So the first thing Jesus did in that upper room as He's drawing His disciples close to Him is He reveals the plan of salvation. A revelation. Say it again. What is it? A revelation. And then, something else that happened in the upper room is we find out that the room was also a place of, and here's number two, what is it? Reflection. Say it out loud. What? Reflection. In the upper room, Jesus brought up Judas's betrayal. Remember that? Judas had just gone out and sold Jesus out for 30 pieces of silver. And it was in that upper room that Judas, he's showing hypocrisy, but he's there around the table, and Jesus brought up Judas's betrayal, a place for reflection. Jesus didn't bring it up to condemn him, but to convict him. Jesus will often bring up our secret sins, our private pleasures, our bad attitudes or evil behaviors like pride and selfishness and greed and anger and compromise and unforgiveness. Jesus will bring them up. He never points us out. 
But he gently calls us to reflection and repentance. He gives us a second chance. Everybody say, what a Savior. And that's what took place in that upper room. A place of reflection where he pointed out Judas's sin without pointing him out. He brought it up so that the disciples might reflect, search their hearts, search their lives, and examine themselves and realize where they have fallen short and repent. Jesus did that. What a Savior. Gave Judas a second chance. The upper room was also a place of, number three, what is it? Reformation. Say it again. Reformation. The upper room was a construction zone. Jesus was hammering, framing, shaving, cutting, sanding, rewiring the disciples. It's what He does here. He hammers, He frames, He shaves, He rewires us to look more like Him. A humble servant. Say it out loud. What? A humble servant. Washing one another's feet. Jesus took a towel, wrapped it around His waist, and began to serve modeling for us what a humble servant does. The greatest of all, yet serving others. Jesus, now, now guys, in our culture, you know, we, we don't wash feet anymore. Washing one another's feet, that's not a thing in our culture. We have a different way of humility and service in here. Encouraging one another. Praying for one another. Comforting one another. Fellowshipping with one another. Caring for one another. That's what we're being framed in, in an issue of humility. And then there was one last thing that happened in the upper room that night. The upper room is a place for, and here's the next one. Everybody say it out loud. Say it out loud. Reinforcement. The upper room is a place where we are strengthened and prepared. Jesus wanted His disciples to be ready for the spiritual battles ahead. That is reinforcement. He wanted them to be prepared for the spiritual battles ahead. That's a good place there to say, Oorah! Everybody say it, what? Oorah! Yeah. Let's read it. Chapter 22, verse 31. And the Lord said, Simon, Simon, indeed Satan has asked for you. This is happening in the upper room. That he may sift you as wheat. But I have prayed for you that your faith should not fail. And when you have returned to me, strengthen your brethren. But he said to him, Lord, I am ready to go with you, both to prison and to death. We'll stop there. Reinforcement. Jesus warned Peter and the rest of the disciples in that passage. Everybody say, the rest. Not just Peter. Here's how it's phrased in the Greek. Simon, Simon, Satan has desired to have you guys. It wasn't just Peter. But he's saying, Simon, Simon, Satan has desired to have you. The you is plural, meaning you guys. Listen, there is an invisible war and Satan has a personal interest 
in Jesus' followers. He really does. Satan is targeting and stalking us for a takedown. Not just to discourage or cripple, but to eliminate us. Peter, years later, warned his congregation about this very thing. Here is exactly how Peter said it. Read it out loud with me. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. There it is. Satan is targeting God's people. He wants to eliminate them. He wants to destroy them, devour them. And remember, you know, Peter likened him to a lion. And one thing to remember is that a lion, or all lions, hunt in packs. The Apostle Paul told us who Satan brings to help him with his hunt. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 11 says this, Put on all of God's armor so that you will be able to stand firm against all the strategies of the devil. Read this out loud with me. For we are not fighting against flesh and blood, but against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world, against mighty powers in the dark world, and against evil spirits in the heavenly places. The odds are stacked against us. Jesus said that Satan's desire, his intent, is to sift us as wheat. Can you guys say that out loud? To do what? Sift us as wheat. It's winnowing. When they would gather the wheat into the particular place where it would be dealt with, they would break up all the chaff, break up the, the wheat stock, throw it on the tribulum, they drag the sled over it so that the husk could be broken off. Then they'd get a winnowing fork and they would agitate it, throw it up in the air quickly so the chaff could be blown away and whatever is genuine, whatever is wheat, would fall to the ground. So Jesus is saying Satan's desire, his intent, is to winnow, to shake us violently again and again, to see if we're genuine, to see where we land. Another illustration that we New Mexicans might understand a little better would be a piñata. Everybody said a what? A piñata. You know, being violently struck again and again, busted up to see what we're filled with. Satan will hit us violently with sickness, divorce, unemployment, anxiety, temptation, grief. Again and again and again. He wants to see what's on the inside. He wants to see whether you bleed profanity, doubt, depression, or faith. Hopefully we bleed Scripture. Hopefully we bleed trust and loyalty and faithfulness. Kind of like Job, who said, Though he slay me, yet will I trust him. But even if we don't bleed the right stuff, Jesus promised this. Everybody said out loud, don't worry, I've got your back. 
Jesus said, I have prayed that your faith does not fail. Simon, Simon, Satan has desired to have you so he can sift you as wheat. But I have prayed that your faith does not fail. I've got your back. Look at your neighbor and say, he's got us. Just tell him, he's got us. Jesus has a personal interest in us too. You know, the devil targets us, but Jesus protects and defends us. He reinforces us. Here's a couple of verses you you might want to jot down. Psalm 62, verse 6 and 7. Read it out loud with me. He alone is my rock and my salvation. My fortress, where I will not be shaken. My victory and honor come from God alone. He is my refuge, a rock where no enemy can reach me. I love it. And here's the next one, Psalm 121, verse 3. Again, read it with me. The Lord won't let you stumble. Your guardian God won't fall asleep. Not on your life. Your guardian will never doze or sleep. God's your guardian, right at your side to protect you. God guards you from every evil. He guards your very life. He guards you when you leave and when you return. He guards you now and He will guard you always. Love it. Woo! He's got your back. Look at your neighbor again and say, He's got your back. Jesus has our back. He prayed for us. And did you know Jesus' prayers never go unanswered? When Jesus prayed, storms calmed, demons ran, food multiplied, healing happened, and dead were raised. So if He prayed for our faith to stand, I will not be moved. Say it out loud. I will not be moved. He prayed for me. He prayed for me. So Jesus told the 11 disciples, Satan has desired to have you guys, but I've prayed that your faith won't fail. Then Jesus addressed Peter, and He said, and when you have returned to me, strengthen your brethren. Peter got defensive. Returned? What do you mean returned? I'm not going anywhere. I'll never forsake you. I'll die with you. loco whenever I return. I'm not going anywhere. So here, he tells them all, hey, listen, Satan's desire to have you guys to sift you as wheat, but I've prayed. Then he looks at Peter and says, and when you've returned, strengthen your brethren. Have you ever had a season of self-confidence? Feeling bulletproof? I'm invincible, unbreakable, unstoppable. But sometimes our commitment is not as strong as we think it is. Look at your neighbor and say, I hope he's not talking about you right now. Just look at him. Sometimes our commitment is not as strong as we think it is. You see, the Loch Ness monster of compromise or relapse still swims in the depth of our souls. 
So beware. Look at your neighbor and say, beware. The Apostle Paul, in fact, warned the Corinthians about this. In 1 Corinthians chapter 10 and verse 12, here's what he said. Read it with me. Therefore, let anyone who thinks he stands take heed lest he fall. Shall we read it again just so that it can soak in? Therefore, let anyone who thinks he stands take heed lest he fall. In other words, don't get cocky. Because just when you think that you've got a handle on things, the handle falls off. Jesus exposed Peter's weakness so that he would work at reinforcing it. He would work at strengthening it. He said, hey, listen, when you return, and Peter's like, well, I'm not return. I'm, I'm, I'm going to die with you. But Jesus is a listen, don't get cocky. Recognize that, yeah, you're standing, but take heed lest you fall. And Jesus begins to expose Peter's weakness so that he can reinforce it. Look at verse 34. Here's what Jesus says. Then he said, Jesus, I tell you, Peter, the rooster shall not crow this day before you will deny me three times, that you will deny three times that you know me. Everybody say, oh, the Loch Ness Monster that swims in the depth of our hearts. We are self-confident. Sometimes we feel unstoppable, immovable, and yet... Jesus exposes it so that he can reinforce it. He tells him in advance. And did you know that Jesus gave Peter this warning twice? Everybody said, how many times? Twice! Mamma mia, here we go again, right? Twice! Twice in the same day! Everybody say twice. Twice in just a few hours. Twice. See, Jesus told Peter this, once in the upper room that we're reading, recorded here and in John's Gospel, and then Jesus told him again a couple of hours later in the Garden of Gethsemane, recorded by Matthew and Mark in their Gospels. Twice! Peter is either thick-skulled or he has a Teflon brain. Nothing sticks. We laugh, but we aren't all that different. Are there reoccurring messages the Lord has been speaking to you? And if there are, don't be like Peter. When he was addressed with this, both times Peter argued with Jesus. He, he refuted. He denied. You're barking up the wrong tree, Jesus. Not me. Never. Everybody said what? Never. I shall never forsake you. I will never abandon you. Everybody say it again. What? Never! But I think Peter is practicing the macho law. You know what the macho law is? Macho law prohibits us from admitting our weaknesses. time with you is coming to an end today on The Simple Truth. We're so glad that you joined us for Pastor Dion's teaching in the Gospel of Luke. 
There's much more to learn from this narrative of Jesus' life, so we hope you'll tune in again. If you're listening in the Española area right now, we'd like to extend an invitation for you to join us for our weekly services at Truth Ministries Calvary Chapel. Come by at 9 or 11 a.m. to spend time with us in worship, Bible study, and fellowship with one another. We also meet on Wednesday evenings for a Bible study beginning at 7. You'll find directions and more information about Truth Ministries Calvary Chapel when you visit tmcalvary.com. If you can't make it in person, you can still join us virtually through Facebook Live. Just follow the link to our Facebook page at tmcalvary.com and tune in this Sunday at 9 or 11 a.m. While you're at our website, you'll also be able to access our archive of previous teachings on various books of the Bible by Pastor Dion. Just click on Sermons at the top of the page to open our audio archive or visit our YouTube page to experience the service through video. Feel free to share these links with anyone in your life that you think would benefit from hearing the simple truth of God's Word. We're so glad that you joined us today on The Simple Truth. We encourage you to read ahead in the book of Luke and discover more about Jesus and what his life and ministry means to you. Then join us next time for Pastor Dion's continuing verse-by-verse study right here on The Simple Truth. You're the one that we proclaim We'll be fools for you as you work in us May your power show in the deeds we sow Let us join our hands and together we stand Together